This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. This is John Bateman. You're listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found on most podcasting platforms and at anxietycanada.com. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with founder of Sierra Club Canada, former Green Party leader and current member of Parliament for Sandwich Gulf Islands, Elizabeth May. Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you, John. And it's an honor to work for you in Parliament because you're, <laughs> I don't know if listeners will know, you're a constituent. That's and right. Oh, yes, that's right. I am Salt Spring and yeah. we are, uh, I am happy to have you as our representative. Thank uh, you. It's fabulous. We've got a good relationship going. It's great. And I do want to run again and I do want to be the member of Parliament for Saanich Gulf Islands and I'm very happy that I'm no longer leader of the Green Party. So anyway, <laughs> I can on only to- imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I start off the uh, podcast with the uh, name of the podcast, and I and I ask our guests, and I'm going to ask you, uh, Elizabeth May, what's your anxiety story? Well, I am so blessed that on a personal level, uh, and I don't know what the reasons are that, because I think in some ways it's um, really luck of the draw. You don't know what your chemistry mix up genetic makeup is they shake the old test tube and there you are not to say that that people are cloned but there's something uh, from birth that determines all kinds of things and I think that's really the case in my case I am um, uh, uh, really unnaturally resilient and I go through lots of stress and Mm -hmm. mostly it doesn't get to me so Mm -hmm. my anxiety story is really understanding anxiety as so debilitating and so critical and so oh so much in need of supports and better mental health for but it's my daughter right so my daughter's now 29 Mm -hmm. and she was for most of her life just this upbeat peppy nothing gets her down kind of like a chip off the old block kind of person and then Somewhere in her university years, but specifically around the time she was working on her master's, and she's now working on her PhD, um, she began to say, Mom, I've got anxiety. And I, right. I didn't get it. I, mean, I have to say my first reaction was kind of like, oh, well, try to maybe if you just, <laughs> you know, I had these dumb ideas like, you know, maybe if you just gave yourself a treat now and then it would cheer right. you up or right. maybe maybe I and we were at distance of course because I'm I'm here in on Vancouver Island and mm-hmm. she was doing her master's at Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax and it just became worse and worse and worse and by the time she was at UBC starting her PhD she actually lost a whole year um yeah. just right and and so I'm much much more aware for sure Mm -hmm. i'm more than ever um in deep awe Mm -hmm. of people who suffer with anxiety who just keep managing to cope and keep going i am aware like i never was before that this isn't where you say oh cheer up (laughs) read a funny book I, yeah. I recommend P.G. Woodhouse. That'll cure your anxiety. That's the kind of yeah. dumb advice I would give my Yeah, but, but you life. know, Elizabeth, so, uh, you, you know, you, you say that, but 
it's not dumb. It's not dumb advice. I mean, it comes from a point of caring. And yeah. you know, I I have a father who's similar to you. Like basically, he's <laughs> he's never experienced anxiety in his life. And the reason that uh, a lot of times the reason that people like you uh, and my, my dad and other people don't experience anxiety is is sometimes it's because you're born with it or not. But it's also some people develop just natural coping skills. You know, yeah. that, that, well, you, that, that, that you don't always, that you don't call coping skills. You just call that's the way you live. Exactly. And I wouldn't want this to be, say, on a podcast where people could hear me say it out loud. But here we go. Your dad and I are both Gemini's. So there could be some there. We're like yeah. the kind of, you know, we're verbally gifted um, and I can't paint. So let's, there are not too many comparisons to be made here. Mm. But it, it, I'm, I am innately an optimist. And I don't have I don't have issues of, um, and which is really I think also generational. I don't have any imposter syndrome thing going on, whereas uh, there's a lot that goes on that creates anxiety in, uh, in a gen, You know, your, your dad and I are not quite the same generation, but close, right? We're we're yeah. we're in that zone of, yeah, things are going to work out. Yeah, just keep on going, mm-hmm. and things have changed in the world so profoundly. Uh, the climate crisis, there are real existential threats that did, you know, when I was growing up, there, there was, of course, the threat of, of uh, mutually assured destruction and nuclear war. Which was and my big was, anxiety when I was young, yeah. Well, well it, you know, I felt like that mushroom cloud hung right over my crib because my mm-hmm. mom was so concerned with the pe- involved in the peace movement and so on. But still, I, I look at this generation, the, my kids and your dad's kids being you, the world changed a lot. And Mm -hmm. the ability to be, you know, positive about the future is Mm -hmm. something that we had as a birthright Mm -hmm. up until I'd say sometime kids born in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s. By then you Mm -hmm. start thinking things have shifted in the world a lot. So I don't know, because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, as I said, very much aware of and respectful towards the struggles that anxiety creates for people. It's mm-hmm. no joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does take, um, I mean, love helps knowing you have loving parents. For sure. Loving partners. Support and love is it a huge It can't hurt. Part. Yeah. But it's, it's but for me, that's my anxiety story has been going from thinking, oh, it's some kind of phase or maybe she had a fight with her boyfriend to realizing, no, this mm-hmm. is something that's really um serious and Mm -hmm. takes attention and i'm very grateful that um that uh we were able to get initially through i mean mount st vincent had better mental health supports than ubc by the way yeah um kate was a bit shocked to get to ubc and find that they didn't think she was quite um had quite enough her symptoms weren't so severe that they could make any therapy time available for her oh my goodness yeah, so it took getting into the public health system to find uh, a therapist who was available to her, and it wasn't through the university. And she, uh, she, she, she knows that I will benefit from therapy when I find time to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't exactly. Done. Yeah, <laughs> but but I mean, I'm very, very much um, grateful to to the work you're doing and mm-hmm. uh, to be a support network to explain to people and also as a as a parliamentarian i am working really hard to get more mental health supports out there mm-hmm. because anxiety and you know and, and it's you know depression is uh, uh, there are a lot of issues that one can say 
are critical for mental health, but we don't have enough mental health supports. And when I talk to other parliamentarians, it's amazing how many of them say, oh, my kid too. Yeah, yeah oh, it's, it's incredible. Yep. We have a very good mental health caucus with on Parliament Hill of MPs yeah. from all parties. And we're always lobbying whoever the Minister of Finance is for there's not enough money here yet. What we, this is an integral part of our healthcare system, has to be mental health. And we just, we're not taking it sufficiently well, seriously. I, I look at, at mental all. health, I look at mental health as it relates to the healthcare system as um, sort of kind of one, one of those things that, that if you can nip that, then it helps with that trickle down expense in the mental health system. Like if, right. we, can, if we can communicate proper mental health, you know, practices for kids, you know, uh, any, I've been talking about mental health with my kids since I could talk to them. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then right on through, then I think that's the same, you know, that, that will help reduce stress on the, on the medical system, period, right? Absolutely. I, I, mean, I kind of think that. Yep. And Not to mention work days lost and, and, you know, WCB and benefits and, and all that stuff that, that, has to, that, gets, that has to get costed out somewhere. That's, you know, and it's terrible. I think sometimes I feel terrible when I embrace the economic arguments for why we need to fund something that's necessary. Say, mm. oh, and it'll save us money down the road. Well, you know, anyway, the World Health Organization definition of health is a complete state of mental, uh, physical, mental and spiritual health. I mean, there's, there's an awareness globally that mental health is part of our healthcare system. And we have a universal healthcare system that's mostly pretty amazing, but yeah. we've, we've, we fall down in certain areas and for sure mental health is an area that's inadequately funded. We certainly learned through pandemic that uh, our long-term care homes and senior care isn't what it should be, but I, you know, it's, it, it you know, it's, it's, um, I've got uh, friends, particularly in my daughter's generation who say things like pandemic was perfect for me. I like being home by myself and not going out and seeing people. This is, <laughs> this is my, this is where I'm yeah. good. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm skilled at, I'm skilled at this, but we, we, um, we need to, as we come out of COVID and it is a moment for looking at everything in a transformational way, looking at going off fossil fuels, looking at re-examining equity issues mm -hmm. and why don't we have guaranteed livable income for all. All those mm -hmm. things I think are possible now. And it's important to make sure that questions of uh, mental health supports for people with anxiety, people with depression, and obviously the far end of that where you get terrified is suicide prevention, which is yes. so inadequate in this country. Yes. Uh, addiction counseling, yes. all of those pieces dealing with trauma. I mean, mm -hmm. it's clear that addictions are caused by trauma and we have a lot of people, whether you're talking about intergenerational uh, uh, impacts of residential schools on a lot of indigenous people. There's a lot of trauma in our society, but there's a lot of trauma uh, just in general. Victims of sexual assault continue mm -hmm. to experience trauma. We, it, and I've become more familiar through this process of, of working on these issues, particularly with indigenous people in terms of the residential school system, of the need for trauma-informed therapy and trauma-informed decision-making. But yeah. Gabor Mate, I mean, of course, said, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection. So yeah. we look at this and realize the connective connection is at a basic human level what we all need. I mean, after food and shelter, um, you, need, you, need, 
you need love in your life. You need a connection. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, it's pretty- interesting because sorry to interrupt, but that, that's something, yep. I mean, as much as COVID for some people, I think for some people, COVID took the pressure off. It slowed down the wheels. All of a sudden, you know, we're not like chasing that carrot. Um, and, and, and you had a good excuse not to. And I, and I think we should always find a good excuse not to. But for some people um, who basically their life and their kind of mental health revolves around chasing that carrot, which has been me to a degree, might be you to a degree. It's like, you know, we, we like to accomplish, we like to do things in our mental health side of that. When they, get, when they got kind of, for all intents and purposes, locked up, I think, they're, I think people who had never experienced anxiety before began experiencing anxiety and in many cases didn't even know what it was. Yeah, and I've had, I'm blessed or cursed, depending on how you look at it, that as a member of parliament with access to the technology we're using now, I mean, the workload didn't stop. It got worse because mm. you, never, you no longer had to say, well, okay, so we can't, we can't bring her into a conference that, you know, she's in British Columbia, so she can't be at our Ottawa conference on international development. And say, no, sure, because it's on Zoom. So, yeah. and, you know, your day can start at 530 in the morning because they're starting up the conference in Ottawa at 9 a.m. and they want you at, online at 830 in the morning in Ottawa, which is 530 in the morning here, which would be fine if you finished your day Ottawa time. So I'm not complaining about my workload, but it's been weird. It's been really weird. So I've had the issue, not so much of, of not accomplishing. I think I may have accomplished more believe it or not, in the last few months in pandemic as a member of parliament than I possibly could have accomplished in any other context. And I could go into that, but it's not really relevant for now. But where, mm-hmm. in terms of mental health issues, I felt it was a sense of, of I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that when I, by the time I got locked up in COVID and I've had five different periods where two weeks isolation was required of not leaving the apartment. Wow. But oh being work, working like this, right? But not yeah. getting out, outside to go for a walk. But in that period of time, I'm really fortunate that I got married last year and my husband and I, uh, we, took a, we took a chance that, we, that we, we didn't know each other that long before we got married. But thank the Lord we got married when we did because I wasn't locked up alone here. And yeah. we still love each other, which is even yeah. better. Cause yeah, congratulations. We, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> but the other part of it is for me, the sameness of it. The, fit, the, the inability to take a break, the yeah. seven days a week, 14, 15 hours a day kind of stuff, I began to experience something that I'm not used to, which is just kind of a weight, a yeah. sense of, of, oh, I think I might be feeling depressed, but I don't mm-hmm. know what that feels like because I'm not that, as I said, I'm usually very resilient, yeah. but I've definitely felt the weight of pandemic. And we are immersed in you know daily bulletins of how many people have died and that's not that's not where you want to live you don't want to live in a world defined by here's the nightly news and um, how many million cases are there now around the world that's that's not your your happy place usually Mm -hmm. so as, as someone who's involved in policy work and making change and and gosh uh it's been a it's been a really interesting period of of getting a lot done mm-hmm. but the, it gets it, you you really i mean I, and i don't have a house with a backyard I, uh, we're in an apartment in mm-hmm. sydney and so those two weeks at a time of just isolating have been it really gets to you yeah oh yeah for sure and, and it's gotten to a lot of people what i'm curious about to double back on um you know talking about the generational stuff um my generation. So, so how much do you think the, you know, the kind of, uh, I find that a lot of people are getting more anxious and more stressed because of the, 
the saturation of media. So like when I was growing up in the early 80s and I started becoming afraid of nuclear war, for example, that's when kind of like CNN was coming in and, and that's when news was sort of ceasing to become news and more becoming entertainment and more becoming, you know, this is how we pay our bills. They need advertising and they do that by keeping people kind of riveted and afraid. Um, do you find that that's, has that affected you in any way or does that affect people in your life in any way that, you know, this oh, well, prevalence of media has really whipped people into a frenzy? I think you're, you're absolutely right to put your finger on this. I mean, in one of our, another one of my constituents who lives on Salt Spring is Rafi and his book, uh, Light Web, Dark Web, and what goes on on social media. Mm -hmm. So I think about young people and I think about, I was always bullied at school. I was the least popular kid in the class all my life. Mm -hmm. I, that was because I was also the smartest one in the class and people hate smart, the smartest, particularly if you're a goody, goody two shoes. So I won't get into yeah. my childhood anxieties, but I was, but, but the thing about my childhood that was blessed was mm. that when I left school, I left all those nasty people behind me and mm. I was home and I was home with my dog and my cats and my ponies and the chickens and the sheep and the country. I, we lived in the country and it was, uh, a, a, and there was nobody following me home to my bedroom mm. on a screen or a tablet to continue to taunt. And yeah, what I think here, about yeah. kids today, yeah, I think that media scares me. That media that haunts kids when they've left school and the bullies, they should have been able, it's terrible that there's bullies in schools. I mean, you read Margaret Atwood's Cat's Eye, Cat's Eye and you realize those those girls that are bullies, those are the ones that were tormenting me the most. And I had a couple mm -hmm. boys in class that would really be, you know, hostile and belligerent and do nasty physical things. But nothing like what really hurt you, of course, when you're a little girl mm -hmm. is the nastiness of other little girls. And Margaret Atwood nailed it and Cat's Eye. But they were at school. And you didn't yeah. have to, after, you didn't see them on weekends. You didn't Precisely. see them in the afternoons. And my yeah. ally in school, of course, was always, I was always teacher's pet, obviously, from what I just said before. So I had friends at school, but they were the teachers. Right. But the kids, they didn't get to follow me home. So the social media piece, now, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an adult woman, I have to say the one part of my life that is completely soul-destroying is reading a Twitter feed. And I do Twitter for work, but the misogyny is, I mean, this, this level of misogyny should not be permitted. And by the way, while we're on talking about these digital giants and what they do, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or any of them, yeah. they have this fiction that they're a platform. They're a neutral platform. Oh, they're yeah. not a publisher. So they get away with murder in terms mm -hmm. of being, uh, allowing bots and trolls to, take on the mask of a real life person and make you miserable. And I know that there's some independent ISP addresses that have to be held by the same person because they tend to say all the same things all the time attacking me. And I find it very, it is debilitating to, you know, to get, you know, nasty. I'm not going to repeat them, but as vile as you can imagine is the daily fare of my social media feeds. And yeah. I just have to learn to know these aren't real people. And if they are real people, I don't want to know them. But I think about someone more vulnerable, mm. younger. Mm. I mean, it, it, in my 60s, I mean, I tell you, I got a bit of a tougher skin when I was in my 50s. By the time right. I was in my 60s, you can begin to care a lot less if someone thinks you're fat. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and oh that, yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, but, but and you know. It's, wisdom it's, too. Wisdom starts kicking in somewhere there. Yep, yeah, so you get to have, 
whether it's a tougher skin, greater discernment, however you want to describe it. But I do think you're right. I think you're absolutely right that the that the nonstop news channel media, the, the seeking out of fear-based stories, so many of them are all about scaring someone. That And then on top of that, the, the access right in the door, right here when you're home and you should be safe and they're able to go right into your head because yeah. – you're looking at Facebook or Twitter or, I mean, I know there's a million of them now that I don't even know their names anymore, but the ability to torment someone at a very personal level mm -hmm. through these social media, I think we got to pay more attention to it to protect our kids. What I always find compelling when I'm talking to somebody like you and when I talk to people who, um, like I say, uh, you inherently don't feel like you have, you have a disposition to anxiety. Um, so I always want to know why, like, you know, what is it that you do what how is it that you think that you don't have it um and when i was listening to you talking about your reaction to trolls or to people you know spamming your your twitter or whatever um saying horrible things you know it's interesting hearing your thought process there because it's important for people to hear this that your thought process was instantly you know dismissive and that's not real. And a lot of people, what I find, and it's been, it's been a problem with me with my anxiety and possibly with your daughter, the way she thinks, is that we believe our own thoughts too. And our own thoughts mm -hmm. are not always right. Uh, so we need a vetting process that we when, we, when we have a negative thought, you can either think that's a negative thought, but you have a vetting process with your social media and you probably have some built into your self-confidence in the, in the way you work yeah. that says no that's not right. I don't accept it. Yeah. It's hard because when it, when, when they, at some points I've, I, I've had, you know, if you're at a low ebb and you feel guilty, you know, feel guilty, responsible for something you've done, you think, oh, that was a stupid thing to say. And now they're all piling up on me um, because being in public life is, you're really exposed. Oh yeah. But, but I have to say, I do do exactly that. There is a thought process of this isn't real. Mm -hmm. And I do it for work. Um, I'd have to say my husband was horrified the first time he saw the kind of stuff that, that comes in on a daily basis. And it, it, and it basically is all women in politics, which is another aspect for me. Like, so I've got, yeah. several, I've got several different layers of looking at this and thinking, okay, this is happening because I'm a woman in politics. This is happening because I'm a Green Party person in politics. This is happening because... Uh, I represent the, the work I'm doing is not in the interest of people who can afford to use and buy social media. I mean, this is actually a coordinated thing that mm -hmm. George Monbiot, uh, who writes for The Guardian, managed to prove it in the UK, looking at a lot of the Twitter feeds that attack people in the climate movement. He was able to prove that, yeah, these are commu communications firms hired by big oil. To mm -hmm. drive people out of that space of respectful discourse and 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 distort the arguments, mm -hmm. so I have a political lens i 've got a personal lens, and I look at this, and I discount a ton of what I experience as um, coming from large corporate interests deliberately, mm -hmm. coming from political partisanship deliberately, and really at that level it 's not about me as a person. No. Or me as a and so yeah so I I I don't know I yeah and I don't know how I mean it, my daughter fortunately doesn't connect with social media that much she has you know she's she's cautious mm -hmm. but it's it is learned skills how do you deal with this stuff and I, I, I think agree what we need to do is regulate these guys yeah. we need to regulate I, them totally I and I have an eighteen year old daughter 
who's completely plugged. Like she's, she's, she's social media. She's, you know, TikTok and Instagram and, and all those things. And sure. She goes, she, she witnesses all that stuff too. But you know, I, I don't want to take too much responsibility because she's also who she is when she came out, but she, <laughs> she is really good at discounting and just basically saying, no, uh, that's, that's not real. And, and yeah. even if it's something coming from somebody or somebody she knows, I think people need to understand that, that, that when somebody is, is throwing that kind of, you know, negativity on you, that that's negativity in them. It, it's not negativity in you. And you have no, it's just like if the phone rings, you don't have to pick it up. You have no obligation to react right. to it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, right now I'm just kind of doing a mental catch up because I'm still stuck at the point. You just said your daughter's 18. And I remember the last <laughs> time I saw her and it's like, oh no, come on. The, the last Maybe. time you saw her, I don't know when it was, but I know you saw her once at the hall and. And she was, and, at, she was at, she was about to do a dance performance. And you were doing a paint class, painting class or something. Yeah, it was and, so funny. And anyway, she noticed your she order was... of Canada pin. <laughs> and, and she said, my grandfather has one of those. That's right. And, matching and the jewelry. First, and the first thing you said is, you can get one too. Yeah, I did. I, well, she will eventually. She uh, never, she, she's that, never forgotten it. She's never forgotten it. Well, to, well, that's so sweet. Well, to think she's 18 is like, so I'm just catching up with our conversation. Like, oh, well, that's, um, boy, that was like how many years ago? No, was let's that not do math. Just, We're not here to do math, no. Elizabeth. Anyway, I tell her I'm proud of her. Yeah, that that's fantastic. That she knows how to handle the social media thing. Critical thinking skills and media literacy are special skills these days. You have to have them because you're going to be, for democracy, and this is a whole nother rant, but oh my gosh, when I realized that people in the United States last election four years ago actually believed that the fake news articles that were put out there, I mean, that, that Hillary Clinton was going to ban prayer. That was a really interesting thing. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, when you, you asked me about my coping skills, one of them is prayer. Right? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm, I, 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 I'm very lucky that I am a believer. I am perfectly open to the possibility that so many of my smart friend family who are atheists, that I'm being delusional. Mm -hmm. But right now, you know what? I, I'm very grateful that I have faith and I have close connection to creation and the creator. And one of my best coping mechanisms, especially um, the ability to go to sleep, when you've got, I mean, you, you can imagine someone in politics may have things on their mind, yeah. but my ability to get a good night's sleep is b based on, I, I say my prayers and it's just, and I count my blessings. And then if there's a problem, I say, Oh, by the way, um, it could, um, whoever I'm asking for help that at that moment, God or Jesus, or just sort of anybody out there can you take this problem off my mind for now and give me a solution i'll have in the morning because i don't want to think about it now that actually works for me well you know and that's so that's really lucky. interesting because there you're talking about another sort of tried test and technique and it's one that i adopted um and it's one that it's actually advice that i got from my dad and my dad always was like you know i'll i'm okay i acknowledge that i'm gonna worry about it later um, he didn't, he didn't volley it off to, um, to a higher power and that's completely legitimate. And I think there's room for, for people to have, you know, to have, you know, religion and, and coping. And, and I think that's fabulous. Um, 
so that's something that I learned too. It's like, okay, I'm going to suspend this for now and I'll think about it tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh, and that really works. You can't, there's nothing more, uh, uh, well, there's nothing, more, uh, I can't say important in my life in terms of maintaining my health that, that for which I'm hugely grateful is that, is that I get a good night's sleep, which, cause I work really long hours, but when I, when I shut off and it's time to go to sleep, I can go to sleep and take cat naps that are really restorative that last, you know, eight minutes. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I have some, some coping skills and some resilience. I think that comes from, as I said, I was lucky in childhood. There was no social media. There was, of course, as I said, the threat of nuclear war, which I knew about a lot. Uh, yeah. There, there was, there, I was blessed with loving parents um, a very strong childhood experience of having animals. I think having a pet, mm -hmm. I, a, a close connection to a good cat or dog. I think those are, you know, they should be paid as therapists. I got yeah. my dog. When I got my dog, believe it or not, this is how open you are to attack when you're a public person. Can you believe it or not? I got letters from people I don't even know saying, I will never vote for you again. I hear you got to have an ease. How <laughs> dare you not get a rescue dog? So oh I write these letters. Oh, no. oh yeah, I'll never vote. Oh no, the people who will never vote for me again. You won't believe the things I've done. That someone will never vote for you, me again. Some it, 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 there's a lot of examples, but on the dog one, I had to say, look, I tried to get a rescue dog. I really did, but then I wrote back the feeling feeling that I could establish for people that I wasn't insensitive to the issue of rescue dogs, but I did try to get a rescue dog, but I live in an apartment building and I'm a tenant. It's not even a condo and there's rules and you have to have a dog. The only dogs allowed in this building are small enough that you carry them through the lobby. And then what happens if I got a rescue puppy and then it turned into a big dog and I couldn't keep it. Plus rescue yeah. dogs need people to pay attention because they've got, they've got their anxiety issues. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to explain, I finally wrote some people and said, look, I didn't get a rescue dog. I know I wanted to, but look at this way. The dog got a rescue human. Yeah. Yeah. Does that yeah. work for you? This dog is my, this dog is before I had my husband. This dog is holding me together. This little canine glue that holds me together. Can't, can't I get some credit for having a little, but I believe that there's blessings in my life. And one of them is I've never been without a dog. So, it's a very, um, there are a lot of things that have contributed to my own sense of uh, resilience. And I can't say that any of them have to do with, and a lot of them are luck, right? Accidents of birth. You can't, can't, there's nothing like having a good childhood. And um, it's one of, you know, one of my favorite lines from uh, even cowgirls get the blues. What's his name? Robbins. But he wrote, it's never, it's, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. I, I think mm -hmm. that's true. Yeah. You have to yeah, just I, build it I, for yourself. I agree with that. Um, Elizabeth, I'm going to let you go, but it's been just fabulous. I, I just want to say, you know, the, the fact that you um, hadn't experienced something before, and that your daughter had something and you had the ability to, to, to have empathy for that and to, and to understand that is really important for people who haven't experienced it, but then all of a sudden have somebody in their life does. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, from my perspective, I, you know, I'm sure your daughter appreciates it. I really appreciate, you know, that kind of elasticity to, to kind of 
you know, have empathy. And, and a lot of what you're talking about here is kind of the, you know, that kind of bottom line of, of kind of love and connection. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I, I really appreciate what you're doing. And I really appreciate that you took the time to talk to me today. Well, I, I really, I had no idea what you've been going through in your own life till you asked me to do this podcast. And yeah. of course, of course I said yes. And I hope if it's of any, if it's been of any benefit at all to the cause that you're championing, it, mm. I'm, I'm honored to have been asked to participate in your podcast. Huge benefit, Elizabeth. Thanks very much. Have a great day and good luck you when too. you, when you hit Ottawa next. I love to all the generations in your family. You bet you too. <laughs> Take Talk care, Elizabeth. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.